your head, can you think of, like, what is an example of a all-time trade or signing in Mets history that the fans turned on as quickly as they did with Lindor? Oh, gosh. There's been a plethora of second basemen <laughs> that have come to the Mets <laughs> that have all gotten that, that treatment. Uh, Juan Samuel comes to mind as well. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, good um, old school name, man. Yeah, Juan Samuel. Uh, I believe they got him from the Phillies for Dykstra. And of course, Dykstra became part of that incredible Phillies teams, you know, that, that won those World Series and became very much a hard-nosed player, mm-hmm. even if uh, he probably had some pharmaceutical health along <laughs> the way, <laughs> like a lot of them did back then. Juan Samuel is one that comes to mind. Carlos Baerga, Roberto Alomar mm-hmm. um, are, are the ones. So, yeah, the, the Mets have had really bad luck with second baseman in particular in, in that regard where they, they thought they may have had an elite player and they weren't that what, that weren't that good. Um, but, yeah, I th- Juan Samuel might be one. You know, Piazza wasn't treated all that well either when he got traded, although I won't say that it was – nearly to this level and he was in the, he was in the final year of his contract you know in his walk season so it's a different situation whereas Lindor is now a 340 million dollar man and I think that only ratcheted up the expectations of him coming into this year so that that didn't do many favors but but um and and while the while the fans have been giving him the business I it hasn't been as bad as it can get hmm. in New York, you know? Yeah. He's benefited from the fact that there's not that many fans in the stands to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, pandemic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Although they just announced that they are going to start uh, allowing up to possibly 100% capacity, um, I think by May 19th or something like that in New York. I saw um, that. So, vaccinated fans, right? Yeah, they're going to have a fully vaccinated section, and then an unvaccinated section. Fans are not going to have to show negative tests um, anymore, but they are going to allow for uh, up to 100% admission if it just so happens that everyone showing up that day was vaccinated. So I guess it's it's a it's an incentive to get vaccinated because that yeah. means you can go to a game, right? So yeah. and it's a it's a Mets game, so that's always kind of up in the air as to how big an incentive that is based on the year, but. Uh, <laughs> Kind of jumping off <laughs> right. what you said earlier, is there a possibility that City Field could rename the fully vaccinated section after Lenny Dykstra? Because that's perfect. <laughs> that, that's a layup right there. Yeah, the, uh, the, um, the juiced section. <laughs> <laughs> the over-vaccinated section. <laughs> the medicated section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating oh, that uh, so many second basemen, because I, I think of Mets and second base, the first name that actually pops into my, my mind is Edgardo Alfonso who did not have well, a long yes. career, but was really good for a couple of years in the mid-2000s. Edgardo Alfonso was part of a team that some people regard as maybe having the best infield defense ever. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, that was that was quite a team. In fact, um, I named my son Miguel after Mike Piazza. Mm. Um, and there was discussion at some point of actually making Making his middle name Edgardo, because <laughs> um, wow. it was around that around that era, you know. Um, but 
thankfully, we decided to go with Antonio, but <laughs> it just goes better. But yeah, Edgardo Alfonso was uh, is probably one of my all time favorite Mets besides Piazza. I mean, he was he was just a superb second baseman. But uh, the Mets also had Jeff Kent for a while <laughs> until they traded him became, away. Before, yeah, he, before became, he became a Jeff superstar, Kent, everybody knew with the Giants. Yeah. Yeah, um, the Mets also had um, the the Dodgers third baseman uh, Turner. That's his name. Oh yes, Justin Turner. Uh, yeah, before he Justin also- Turner, right? Yeah. Well, he was just a part-time bit player for the Mets, and then mm-hmm. he went to the Dodgers, and of course, it became a star and won a World Series. So, yeah, there there have been a few cases like that as well. But um, you know, if you think of Mets second basemen in history, you think Felix Mion, you think. Mm-hmm. Edgardo Alfonso and stuff like that. But we also had our share of Bayergas and and Alomar past their their primes and, and things like that. So Yeah. And I remember um, Robbie Alomar getting booed at Shea Stadium back in the day. And uh, in light of events this week, it turns out history has shown brightly on Mets fans for that decision. Well yes. done. Well done, New York. <laughs> for for once. A baseball well, harasser is turned away by the Mets. So yeah, yeah, the Mets, the Mets have uh, have had a recent history with that, haven't they? And, yeah, um, they, mm. they haven't exactly covered themselves with glory. In fact, I'm I'm surprised Andy Elderson still has his job. Yes, some of those some of those quotes he put out there uh, probably should have gotten him fired. Yeah. And, and I was so pr- I'm been very surprised how quickly that story was dropped. You know, especially given that I, I ref, if I remember correctly, the day after we made those quotes, the the uh, the next day the Mets didn't even have a game. So, or or, or that day they didn't have a game. So he could have been in the news cycle for forty eight hours easily. There was no other story to go with. And maybe it's a tribute to the old boy network of journalists that mm-hmm. it wasn't a story. It didn't it didn't actually blow up. You know, um, yeah. you can only make so much noise, and you know, if there aren't people who are willing to to carry that story through, it's not going to go anywhere. So I do think that he really stepped in it. And, um, you know, it's it's sort of blaming the coverage for their problems in store, instead of the fact that they have a problem, you know, with their apparently their HR folks, you know, uh, people they've hired and rehired that have had histories of, of uh, being harassers and all the rest, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, there, it reminds me a lot of years ago, I saw a Simpsons episode where they showed the Flan, uh, uh, Ned Flanders' parents and Ned Flanders' parents uh, apparently were hippies yes. and they never, they never did anything to, to correct him. Um, so they, they, they bring him to a psychologist because apparently he's being quite a rabble rouser. And they go, Doc, 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 we've done nothing and we're all out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's ever a, a phrase were a perfect slogan for the Wilpon family in general. I think that nails it right there. Yeah, you know, it's that this whole idea that, yeah, if you do nothing, yeah, you're not going to get good results. Uh, if, you know, this whole idea of, oh, our vetting process is, no, people have come to you with problems and you've also turned a blind eye to them. It isn't the fact that you didn't know. It's the fact that even when you do know, you do nothing. Yeah. Um, As you say, the but, media you know, doesn't call them on it. And that's that's also a big part of it. It's, it's up to us kind of in new media and not the non-old boys network 
to say, hey, actually, that's the story. That's what you got to focus on and keep focusing on it until it gets better. That, that's, yeah. you know, unfortunately, that's fallen to us because we're the ones who care. Right. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, I, I think things aren't going to improve until you start seeing more female executives yes. in, in positions of, of throughout throughout baseball. We got one out of 30, so we're kind yeah. of, yeah, yeah, MLB. <laughs> it's, it's better than zero out of 30, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. It's uh, over 100% uh, improvement, so, you know, I, I guess. I think what really annoys me is that uh, Kim came out of the Dodgers. Kim Eng is, I guess, how you pronounce her last name. I can oh, and I, re- I always forget how to pronounce her last name. But um, she came out of the Dodgers, and there was an opening on the Mets at the same time there was an opening on the Marlins. And I wonder how hard they went after her, or if they went after her at all, or if she was even interested in the job. Yes, but I mean the Marlins. Yeah. You know, she could have had a team that was ready to win in the Mets if they had gone for her. Instead, they bring back a, a retread, right, and Sandy. And, and okay, maybe he's good at it. Maybe he's not. I don't know. All I know is that that's the kind of cycle we have, you know. The dusty bakers of the world that just keep <laughs> getting recycled from mm-hmm. one team to the next team to the next team to the next team, you know. And that's... That's how things happen in, in, in sports in particular and in baseball for sure, you know. Yeah, that's Just, the baseball formula. It worked once, so I assume it'll work with us at some point. And, uh, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's it, go back to that well. Yeah, know? yeah. Uh, let us do the show open and then we'll jump into something that we hope will start working going forward with the Mets. Uh, when we, okay. How they're performing on the field. This is the Three Strikes Are Up podcast, part of the Outsports Podcast Network, the Outsports Baseball Podcast, episode number 74, the Kenley Jansen episode of Three Strikes You're Out. My name is Ken Schultz, contributing writer to Outsports Baseball Prospectus and stand-up comedian. My special guest today, the other voice you were hearing on the other end of this podcast, is a friend of the pod, YouTuber, and contributing writer to publications like The Advocate. Her work can be found at youtube.com slash Maya. Melody Maya Bonet is back. Thank you for joining me. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Glad to be back. What a pleasure to talk to you again. And uh, I wish it could be under happier circumstances for the most famous player on the New York Mets at this point. Uh, I'm just going to throw out the name Francisco Lindor. Emotional reaction. Go. Trying too hard. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. Like, you see it in his swing. Yes. You know, I, I he's going into his year 27 uh, playing, you know, uh, his age 27 year. And that of, traditionally is when the st- statistics tell us players have their best years, you know. And so he gets saddled. <laughs> if you can call getting saddled with $340 million a negative, you know, contract and uh, sky high expectations. And he's the signature move of the offseason when the fans wanted a lot of other ones, right? They wanted Trevor Bauer. They they wanted George Springer. I wanted those guys, you know, or at least some of those guys. And we don't get those. However, we, we get uh, a trade and we get Francisco Lindor. He's the consolation prize, which, you know, that is not a bad one. Let's, yeah. let's face it, based on his, his stats and everything else. Um, he does bring a lot of energy to the team. He brings a certain level of, of swagger, he, you know, him and Marcus Stroman in particular. And amazing defense which we haven't had very often at at shortstop you know um 
Jose Reyes comes to mind as a really good defensive shortstop the Mets had in their in their prime, in his prime rather, and uh, amazing offense and a switch hitter, you know, on a team that that has had problems, you know, with not enough right-handed bats in the lineup. He brings a little more balance as well. But you can tell that he's trying to prove his worth on every at bat. You know, it's it's I, I watched him the other day against Wainwright, and sure, everybody can look foolish with Wainwright's curveball. You know, ask Carlos Beltran that mm-hmm. yeah. in, in history in Mets history. <laughs> However, he looked just so lost. You know, he, he he doesn't look like he has a plan right now. Uh in the Cubs series, he he got locked in, he hit his home run, right? Mm-hmm. And and he was talking about, oh, you know, I'm I'm still searching for that swing. But and I know a lot has been made of how many games the Mets have missed, you know, through no fault of their own, through, you know, the Nationals catching COVID as a team, through, <laughs> yeah. through weather issues and, and, and all the rest. Uh, they, they have not played a lot of games. You know, they just haven't. And it's one of the reasons why they're at the bottom of the league in so many offensive categories. You're just not going to have a lot of runs batted if you haven't, if you've played, you know, only two thirds of the games everybody else has. Um, But it has been a team wide issue. You know, it isn't just him. I I see the same thing from Dom Smith. Um, I see the same thing from uh, McNeil. Uh, and and folks like that, where they're they are just trying to take it seems like the weight of the world on their shoulder on their shoulders and be the man right on, in the lineup. Um, luckily, Nimo, Alfon, uh, you know, Alonzo. Almost said Alfonso because I'm stuck there. <laughs> Except for that, Alonzo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, JD Davis, of course, have all had really good starts offensively to their seasons. So that has kind of covered some of the mistakes. Conforto also seems to be coming around as well, um, which bodes well for the Mets. But I mean, people that you would normally consider reliable, like a McNeil, you know, or Lindor have really not just performed badly or not underperformed they perform underperformed very badly you know Lindor is, is stuck on what Keith Hernandez calls the interstate you know he's he's when I checked yesterday he's 163 and he's over two today as far as I know so yeah over um, for his last 23 I believe they said at the top of the broadcast yeah, uh, if, I, if I can just, give you a small bright side to missing so many yes. games at the beginning of the year and I know Mets fans react to bright sides the way vampires do to garlic but nonetheless <laughs> Some of these guys are going to hit uh, just yeah. through sheer statistical progression back to the mean. You're going to, yeah. I mean, you're, Lindor is not going to be in the 160s the entire year. Eventually, he's going to figure out how to get his stance back in order. Jeff McNeil is a good contact hitter. At some point, his stats should progress more closer to his career numbers. So if you're putting games away now that you're going to have to eventually play later, that means hopefully for the New York Metropolitans, that they'll be playing these games at a time where these guys will finally have found a bit more of their comfort zones and could be a bit more of an offensive weapon at that point. Or they'll be out of it by the time they're playing. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, could also be. yeah. If you want to Mets fan <laughs> it up, sure, we can go down that route. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's my that's my opinion on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, okay. That I suppose is a is a is a silver lining way of looking at things. You're not out of it now. I'm try I'm trying to no. shine a little sunlight on the situation here because it's it's not all bleak, really. It, no, and and we do have the best pitcher on the planet. Yes, and and a few other bright spots on the team as well. This is a good team. You know, I don't know if it's a World Series team or special team yet, but I I do think they're they're a good team. They're they're a north of five hundred team. They're a team that should make the playoffs. Um, it's the kind of team and, that to hang around in the division. It should be for the rest of the year, unless. The Braves remember yeah. who they are at some point, and I don't know if that's going to be the case honestly <laughs> right now. And if they hang around the division, it's right. the kind of team that if you make an acquisition at the trade deadline or two that really fills some holes, then they go on a run, and then all of a sudden you've got 2015 all over again. Yeah, I think the I think the real silver lining in all this, I think, is the fact that as you were just alluding to, the, the rest of the division hasn't like left them behind. In fact, they've been leading the division in at good <laughs> at significant points during this this downturn in their offense. So I mean that's partly because of the strength of their um pitching um that they've been able to to even maintain. But at the same time, they're hanging around five hundred, which is all you really need to do right now until they kind of figure out who they are and what their personality is and hopefully shake off the cobwebs and, and kick things in gear, which probably is, as a team, you could take that same, what I just said, and apply it to Lindor in particular. You know, it's, it's oh, yeah. when, he, when he, I mean, the one thing is, of course, is his defense hasn't slumped, you know. Um, he, you can still see that he is everything he was built to be as a defensive shortstop. Um, one thing that's interesting is that he hasn't stolen any bases as far as I know, or, or very few, you know. Yeah, and, and Lindor no. does have some, some speed. It's not all world speed, but it's, it's definitely there. No. Yeah, he, he's known to, to steal bases, and he hasn't really tried, which, okay, you know, that's fine. I don't really need him to steal bases, you know. We wouldn't. We wouldn't necessarily even want on the steel bases and get hurt or something like that. That would be disastrous. So, I would rather he hit a double than. <laughs> yeah, I would rather you would rather him just hit. Steel. Period. At this point, and it's it's fascinating to watch him swing right now because, like, even a layperson like myself, you can see how disjointed his his swing is. That the hips fly open well before the rest of his body. It's almost like his hips exist in a dimension that's two seconds ahead of where the rest of his body should be. And it reminds me a little bit, and this is not a good comp to throw your way, but do you remember Kosuke Fukudome, the Cubs outfielder from the oh. late 2000s? Yeah, I do remember yeah. the name, but I didn't know much about his performance. So when the league figured him out after a couple months in the big leagues, he had a swing that was yeah. like extreme Ichiro, where it looked like he was trying to right. stop running as he, made, as he swung. Right. And when the league figured him out, like his his hips got so far ahead of the rest of his body. It, it, all it looked like he did was just flail away at low outside pitches. And it's, it's not in that motion, but I see that same style in Lindor right now. And it's, it's chilling, honestly, to kind of see that. Because that's not the hitter. I mean, he is such a, an easy, easy power hitter for someone who is his size when he's going well. And right now, it's, it's just yeah. so out of whack. It's, it's like yeah, every, he's... 
It's like every Def Jam's comics impression of a white man attempting to dance right now. He, what he is, is exactly what they mean when, when batting coaches say his timing's off, right? Yeah. It, it's, it is, it's like his arms and legs and hips and lower body are all moving at different times. And it's because he, he's, he just doesn't have, he just has gotten lost at the plate. And I think that has affected his confidence. And so he, he he's thinking too much. You can almost hear the wheels turning when he's at the plate, you know, and yeah. Yeah. he's putting see, too much pressure. You can see his mind thinking, I just want to make contact. I don't want to swing and miss here. And so he's leaving the bat behind at the, to just kind of foul everything off at the last second. There's no confidence at all in any of these swings. And obviously to hit 30 home runs as a shortstop, you need confidence. Yeah. And to hit 160... You know, almost 30 games into the season, 30 games out of 162, you can bury 30 games. Uh, Get to 50 games, though, that becomes a a problem. Now we're talking about almost a third of the season. And and so he really needs to get things going in the next three weeks, basically. Um, You know, I think if the Mets hang around, and even if he ends up batting some horrible average, like 220, 230, or something like that. But it's the last two or three months of the season where he really kicks it into gear and he starts hitting 333 for those last couple, two or three months. And, and the team wins the division. People won't care about the fact that his, <laughs> his batting average for the season was 230, 240. Um, and, you know, there is something to be said for a few things. One, he's switching leagues. Yeah. You know, um, he's not familiar with these pictures or at least all of them. Um, he's, He's playing in New York, and that is a tougher thing to do. I mean, it is, it, it, he's not the first really good baseball player to come to New York and then underperform that first year. You know, uh, it happens a lot. And the fact that he's struggling now doesn't mean he's going to be a bust for the, the remaining, you know, decade of his contract. <laughs> but um, I, I think he's, he's going to be fine. Uh, I'm not a big proponent of booing players like that you know um especially one who's clearly doing very well you know defensively and wants to do well i don't think this is a skills problem it is a problem between the ears and um, probably the reason why the mets fired two batting coaches this yeah. week <laughs> so yeah as the cubs found out a couple of years ago chili davis great player incredibly overrated as a hitting coach unfortunately uh, you know, I'm, I was, I'm not. I look on. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. You're well, not I was going to say, uh, jumping off of what you mean, talked about uh, booing the players in the home team. I am not yeah. fond at all about booing players who are struggling, unless they happen to also be pieces of shit. Like if a oldest Chapman has an ERA around 600, boo away. And honestly, if ERA is around <laughs> one, boo too, because he sucks. <laughs> but you know, Lindor at his best is one of the most joyful, wonderful, fun to watch players in the game. And just because he's not off to a great start, like I, I saw a clip on MLB Network the other day when they were kind of showing a montage of his, you know, first month struggles in Queens. And there was a yeah. clip of an eight-year-old, had to be like an eight-year-old kid in the stands at City Field. And the expression on his face, the venom, it was like Henry Rollins in grade school. It, 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 <laughs> hurt me to see that much anger directed at, at this guy who's so wonderful to watch you know 
you know, I think he plays the game with a lot of joy. And I think, I think once he starts doing well, yeah. I think his, his joyfulness will become infectious. Uh, and I think Mets fans will embrace him and will come to love him. But right now, yeah, he's going through a tough time. I mean, it's one month, you know, mm-hmm. and at one month, that wasn't even a full month of games for the Mets, you know, right. I, I just find it really hard to, yes, it is the first month right after he signed a big contract and you want to get off to a good start. Um, but I got to believe he's going to do better. You know, if, if Mets fans are good at anything, we got to believe as well. As them. <laughs> and, and I think, uh, I think he, I think he'll be fine, but yeah, I do think he is putting more, way too much pressure on himself and maybe you know it's funny I thought the the firing of the batting coaches was a while Zach Scott said you know oh I have to make a move you know the philosophy of the team blah 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 I wonder how much of this is Steve Cohen you know how much of this is is a, a Steinbrenner type move you know and 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 Chili Davis and 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 Slate, the other the other batting coach, they weren't, they were they were carryovers from the previous administration, so they were pretty easy to get rid of. I think Rojas is also on a very short leash, even though they haven't said anything. I don't think he is necessarily going to make it to the end of the season, um, especially if they play pretty mediocre. Um, he's already getting roasted by a lot of fans for weird moves, mm. you know, that he's made like bringing in Diaz the other day, you know, against the Phillies and that kind of thing. Um, but I, I do think that uh, Steve Cohen has a little more control over this team behind the scenes. And I think he, he, he and probably Zach Scott got together and say, we need to send a message to this team that this, this isn't acceptable and that you guys need to do something. And so, you know, firing the batting coaches is, is a pretty easy thing to do, <laughs> you know, bench coaches, batting coaches, bullpen coaches, they're, they're very, very replaceable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though Chili Davis, I had to look this up because, because I remember this distinctly and I, and I had to confirm it uh, with a little Google search. Chili Davis, when he, you know, it's interesting when he left, he, he did say that, yeah, if Lindor had been hitting well, I do think I'd still have my job, you know, which is not something that a lot of people going out the door would necessarily say. That's um, what he does. That's, he did that's that what he, he does. Yeah. And um, I don't think he threw Lindor under the bus necessarily, but I don't know if he helped the situation. And, you know, it's, and he's known to be a colorful guy. You know, I remember I had, I look, this is what I looked up. The quote he had said was back in the eighties when he's playing with San Francisco. And apparently at the time he, he held a 500 career average against Dwight Gooden. Hmm. And um, <laughs> this was just before Dwight started, I think his downward trajectory in his career. Um, but he said something like, how is it that you can hit 500 off of, you know, Dr. K or something? And he said, you know, he ain't God, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's not bad. Yeah. And um, that, that's, I yeah. think that's also the last time Chili Davis talked shit about a pitcher and not his own hitters. So there's also that. <laughs> right. So, 
you know, I, I, I do think it, it sets an example for the team, especially young players like Alonzo, who <laughs> self-reportedly was crying at his locker when he heard about the news. But, you know, dude, this is the way baseball works. It's a business. You're, you're going to lose people. <laughs> yeah. And Alonzo and, is the perfect example of someone who struggled in a small sample last year. Uh, and mm-hmm. then this year is hitting like he did two years ago again all of a sudden because that's the way hitting works, especially now. So it should be yes. hopefully an example of the rest of the fan base of, yeah, you give some of these great players time and they will eventually be great players again. And we're definitely in a pitching era. Yes. You know, yeah. we, we're seeing numbers we haven't seen since Gibson <laughs> was, yeah. was dominating hitters. And we, we are actually seeing numbers that are like even worse hitting wise than that era of Gibson. Like the, the league wide yeah. batting average right now, I believe, is 232. And in the year of the pitcher, 1968, it was 235. So, yeah. Right. right. And it's comparable, but yeah, even worse. And I do think that uh, while we talk, we tend to talk a lot about the ball when we have um, incredible offensive seasons like last year. You know, reportedly the baseball last year had very flat seams, which made it much harder for um, actually the year before last year. But, but you know... It, some of those did some of those balls that carry over to last year as well, where it just made it harder for the pitchers to grip, and also for the the ball didn't move as much because there just wasn't as much you know friction, so to speak, uh, to get all technical. I don't want to lose anybody out there. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the physics podcast, everyone. Thank you. We're newly about you know. <laughs> and um, I do think <laughs> very good. I like that. Not a bad but, poll um, for an English major. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. But um, yeah, so I do think the fact that the ball has also changed for this year and from what I understand has has seams that are higher are higher, you know, they're a little raised up. And um, we don't we never talk about the ball in low offensive seasons. We always talk about it in in high offensive seasons. And I think it bears some investigation, you know, that the the balls are, are a little bit. Uh, well, more advantageous of the pitchers right now. And I think that's really helped them. And as much as the league seems to be, you know, they, they say they're cracking down, at least they're trying to on, on pitchers doctoring the ball. Um, it's, it's tough out there for hitters. And, you know, combine that with a pandemic, combine that with not having played nearly as many games as they should have last year and, and a bunch of other things, this season was probably predictable, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, um, been trending this way for years. But, yeah. That being said, there are players who are hitting very well. Mm-hmm. JD Davis is hitting very well. Nemo's hitting very well. Alonzo's hitting very well. So, uh, you, you can hit these, these pictures in this ball. So I, I do think it's only a matter of time before, like you were saying earlier, they regress to the mean yeah. and they become better hitters or, or rather they, at least their confidence increases and, and they get better results you know um in in absence of evidence to the contrary great player is eventually going to great player that's generally how baseball works and it's one of the beauties of the game yeah. we've got a couple commercials coming up here but if you stick through to the end i promise you'll get to hear me butcher meet the mets one of the other great players i wanted to ask you about uh okay. on the subject of bob gibson-esque pitchers uh, so mm-hmm. Jacob DeGrom looks like mm-hmm. not going on the IL for now. They said he's going to throw tomorrow, I believe, on the broadcast. 
But I want yeah. to throw out a hypothetical. If Jacob deGrom did go on the IL, is it weird that the Mets would still score on the same amount of runs? <laughs> yeah, you know, when you score no runs, you're still going to – you're still gonna, his average runs per game that the, the, the team scores for him will probably not move. Yeah. Um, I think that is – sometimes overblown. I, I remember Keith Hernandez once making the point that one of the reasons why that happens is because um, DeGrom is usually going up against the other team's better pitchers as well. You know, that's the way they line it up. Um, and the Mets just haven't been performing well offensively for two years, at least two years. I mean, last year, you know, hitting, you know, with players in scoring position was terrible. Of course, even in a Cy Young year, he didn't win very many games. Um, so I should say Cy Young years. Yes. <laughs> Since yeah. He's got more than one. Yeah, uh, three. So perhaps. Yeah. But I think this year we all expected that to be different. You know, I coming into this year, everybody was like, Oh my gosh, the Mets have, quite a formidable lineup and they do they actually do have a uh, quite a lineup up and down and then the fact that that you can lose players right now of the caliber they've been losing and, and really just keep going um you know they have player they have a much better bench they have uh, much better options for when pitchers go down um this is a good team they're going to score him runs but they need to stop thinking about scoring him runs yeah. <laughs> just just doing their thing that's the thing it's it's on the subject of kind of a psychological baseball i guess mental fuck for lack of a better term uh right. i grew up renewably effect earlier so i had to go vulgar this time you know uh but <laughs> i talked about it a bit on the pod last week that it's the combination of as you say going up against other teams best pitchers who are usually pitching at the top of their game because they know it's against Degrom. And also right. hitting, as we've been discussing, is harder now than it's ever been in baseball history. And add on top of that, the Mets all know that this is a thing about not scoring right. for DeGrom. So you know that once it gets to the third or fourth inning and they have maybe one or two hits in the whole game, everybody in that lineup starts going, oh, geez, it's going to happen again. And all that together, it's a self-perpetuating thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, they did score six runs for him. Recently, yay. <laughs> and I do think they have been scoring runs lately. You know, even the game they lost the other day, they, they lost five to six. You can win with five runs. Yes. You know, as long as your pitchers are are pitching decently. In that case, it wasn't a good it wasn't a good game for Lucchese and 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 the bullpen. But um they have what it takes to score runs it's you know like they say like you know the best indicator of a of a player's performance is their past performance and if you go by that the Mets do have a good team um they, they have defensive questions I think everybody knew that going in you know which thankfully haven't really materialized all that much you know except for J.D. Davis perhaps you know at third base but then of course you're not going to take him out of the lineup at least when he's healthy, because he hits a ton, you know, the, the Mets have a, a couple DHs on their team <laughs> and, and players playing out of position, you know, uh, to me, I think Alonzo is 
not a bad defensive first baseman, but he's not a great defensive first mm-hmm. baseman. He's just kind of okay. Enough to, to warrant carrying his bat in the lineup. But in a in a league that would have a DH, Dom Smith is the first baseman. Mm. And he is a very good first baseman. And you have an actual real left fielder. Actually, you have Nimmo in left field, and then you have an actual center fielder. You know, and then you have J.D. Davis, you would trade for an actual real third baseman. <laughs> you know, he's a good, he's a good trading, he's a good, he's a good trading chip at the, at the deadline. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you can get a, back a good player in the play third base in his stead, um, somebody who gives you a decent, a, a good stick with uh, a good glove, you know. Somebody like a Robin Ventura, in, for example? Robin Ventura. I loved Robin Ventura. <laughs> what a hell of a player! Yeah. When my when my ex and I we we went and bought the Black Mets jerseys, which they're bringing back this year. Uh, we bought a Piazza jersey and we bought a Ventura jersey. Nice. Um, he was he was a great defensive player. He was you know he also had a good stick. He's always going to be known in Mets lore for hitting the grand slam. That was actually a single. The grand single, <laughs> yes. The grand Love slam it. single, yeah against the Braves no less mm-hmm. um so yeah we need a we need those kinds of players they don't have to be superstars not every player on a team has to be a superstar they just have to be good you yeah. know they have to be pretty good and JD Davis is a great hitter but um I don't know if you can carry him at, at third base like that um for a full season, he hurts a lot there. Yeah, let's say, as you say, they, they don't need to be superstars and they've got the superstars, they just need those to play like superstars. Uh, Maya, do you have anything to yeah. plug us we'll have here? Um, well, yeah, my my YouTube channel, as, as you plugged before, uh, youtube.com slash Melody Maya. And I spell Maya, M-A-I-A, so, uh, don't put a Y in there, put an I. <laughs> and that's my YouTube channel. Uh, that's about it. That's right. I, I do a lot of other, I do a lot of other things, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a professional photographer, writer, singer, YouTuber, and I guess podcaster now. <laughs> Is that the quintuple threat at this point now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is not bad. But uh, yeah, Melody Maya Monet. East side, west side, everybody's all around. I forgot the lyrics already, but meeting you again, always a pleasure. East side, west. (laughs) Yeah, Mets, Mets, Mets. The Metsies, as Casey Stengel used to call them. But uh, Ah, you're welcome. Yes, you're welcome. The Mets are down four to one now in the bottom of the fifth. Oh, somebody just, Stroman just had a little home run. Okay, you know that's that's par for the course. I'm, I think I'm just going to enjoy my cinco. De, I'm going to enjoy my cinco de mayo. <laughs> that is that is, is ending the this podcast in the most Mets fan way possible. I love it. That's great. Thank you. Thank you.